0: you, it's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. You guys glad you're here? My name is Drake. I'm really glad that you guys are here with us today as we continue in our series followers. And a couple of quick things, man, Fitz, thanks so much for doing a great job of kind of giving you the scan of the entire weekend. Hey, all of that is on our website, so we're not expecting you to remember it all. We have an entire Easter landing page dedicated to serve you well so that you can serve our community well. We have Facebook events that you can use to invite people to. It's all over Instagram. We have the hard copy invites with the block party information as well as Easter Sunday. There's actually going to be people standing at the door bullying you on the way out, putting them in your hands, so you don't just get to casually grab one. We're going to make sure you take them. Um, But again, hey, it's such a privilege not just to invite people to City Church. And hopefully, man, just from your own personal experience, this is a place worth inviting people to, right? Love the community God is building. People are loved, safe, and welcome here no matter where they find themselves on their spiritual journey. And so this is a place that's exciting, and we're glad to build community and invite people. But I just want to remind you, you are the church, and Jesus has called you to the world. And so whether your neighbors will come to an Easter Sunday service or they'll come to your kitchen table, both are a win. The end goal is not to get butts in seats. You guys with me? But the opportunity is to love and, and, and serve the community around us as Jesus followers, regardless of what that means. Our mission here is to help people find their way to God from where they are. What that means is that we don't sit here and hope people walk in the doors, but rather we are the church. We exist for the world and we go to them. You guys with me? Anybody else excited? Okay, Easter, on that note, is a great opportunity. And so listen, I want you to understand we stack the weekend on purpose. Next week, I'll introduce a five-day fast that we're going to do together, praying and growing in our intimacy with Jesus and praying over our neighbors, friends, and coworkers leading up to Good Friday. And that's an evening where we're just going to take some time and pray over one another and pray over our uh, friends and neighbors, those who are disconnected from the church or faith. But then in addition to that, our block party is on Saturday because we just want to serve our community with those strings attached. And so, so I, I understand some churches will do like a, an egg, egg hunt, like right after the service, and it's kind of like a bait and switch, like come to Easter, and then your kids get to have fun, and you kind of obligate people to show up. For us, we're like, hey, listen, we're in the city and for the city, regardless of what you do for us. And so our block party is on Saturday, so I realize we're asking a lot from you to be present all Easter weekend, but it's the only time we do this throughout the entire year, slash so maybe one more time around Christmas. But you know, I mean, we really try to, to, to honor the ask around here. And so we want you to block out that entire weekend and make an intentional effort to be there. Um, also, on the, on the block party itself, not only is there formal positions like, listen, I don't know about you, but the snow cone position is the place I want to be. Free snacks along the way. You know, you can't hand the one you licked to somebody else, but like, you know, you can have your own snow cones and be passing them out, bottles of syrup. It's going to be great. Uh, One time we had a cotton candy machine. I don't think we have it this year, but that was like amazing. There's just like spinning clouds of sugar everywhere, and the person doing it is just like a walking stick of cotton candy. It was great. It's the best. Uh, We also have, we need some people to dress up like the Easter Bunny, guys. We have an Easter Bunny costume. It's not the creepy one. I mean, it's a little creepy, but it's not as creepy as some. You know what I'm saying? So who wants to sweat for Jesus? It's going to be great. Um, I, that's my little commercial. Hey, I just want to give you like a little, a little encouragement. Uh, this week I was dropping my youngest off at uh, preschool and I was talking to this mom and I, I've got like invites stuffed into like every pocket in my jacket so I have a moment. So I just want to encourage you to be kind of positioning yourself for the opportunity. Know that God's going to give you opportunities, so have those invites on you and all of that. And again, not being weird or anything like that, but I was like talking to this one mom, hey, what's your plan? You guys do anything for Easter? And she was like, oh, you know, there's this awesome block party and egg hunt that happens in North Boulder and it's like I, I think it's at, there's a park over here I think it's like holiday park but I mean it's amazing I mean that they've got bounce houses and all snow cones and popcorn and like different egg hunts for different age groups so like the little kids aren't getting run over by elementary I mean it's the best we go every year and then she was like I'm actually going to invite all the parents here to this block party, and the whole time I'm like, oh, tell me more, yeah, this is great." and, and, and then I'm like, that's totally our church, like, so cool, so she invited herself, I didn't even have to, it was so good, um, and so I just want to encourage you guys, listen, we have favor in the city, A lot of that has to do with you. And so it's not just that we need people to serve at the event, but we also just need our community there to love and serve those that are there. And so you don't have to have kids to be at this block party. It's an incredible time just to connect and build community and love people well. And we trust that God uses that space, whether someone's going to end up here on Easter Sunday or they're just going to have an experience of of love from that one space, we're trusting that God's going to use it. All right, that was my commercial. Thank you so much, Fitz, for uh, doing a great job on that. By the way, he was really nice saying, you know, our print company didn't get the delivery here. No, man, they totally dropped the ball, okay, guys? Not on us. They're terrible. I'm irritated. Definitely like Jesus. I'm, I'm not bitter at all. Um, so we're supposed to be doing door hangers today. We're rescheduling that for next Sunday, so please plan to make some time to do that. Okay, let's go into the message. You guys ready for this? I'm so excited. So we've been working really hard over the last, by the way, three months... <laughs> Three months we've been walking through transformation and answering the question, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And then specifically asking the question, "Like, how do we change? Like Everyone wants to change regardless of where you find yourself on your spiritual journey. There's things we want to see change in our lives. And we ask specifically, how do we change? Because for most of us, it's not an issue of wanting to change, but it's like the things that we try don't work. And so we've been spending a ton of time. So you can go back, check it out on our podcast, our YouTube channel. It's been an incredibly formational series, kind of taking our church into this new year and and where we're going. But I want to do a little bit of review. So the questions we've been answering, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Number one is what? Be with Jesus. Well done. Uh, You could be a little more excited about it. He's not a burden, guys. Come on. Number two is become like Jesus. Number three is... Come on, do it! I'm so proud of you guys. I'm almost done saying it, but we got one more week of this, okay? Um, and it won't go away. Actually, Maddie's awesome, and she even put it on a sign in a lobby, so you can't get away from it, okay? It's going to follow you around. I'm sure there's going to be a T-shirt that comes out at some point. So, in order, here, here's the deal. Uh, we've been talking about transformation, and this is the invitation. I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey. If you're a first-time guest with us, just want to say thank you so much for being here. It's an honor to have you. You are loved, safe, and welcome. And we simply want to meet you where you are help you take a next step. And so part of this conversation is asking the question like, what does it mean for me to follow Jesus? And we don't answer that based on what my grandma said, or my experiences told me, or my professor in college told me, but what did Jesus himself invite us into? And I don't want you to miss the priority that it's a relationship that then turns into transformation. It's not do things for Jesus, he'll eventually like you, you know, moral behaviors, and a list of rights and wrongs, rules and regulations. It's an invitation into relationship Trusting what Jesus has done for us in our place, what the Easter weekend's going to be coming up about. And then from that relationship, it moves into transformation. By the way, Easter weekend's going to be an incredible weekend and a a message specifically built for those who are struggling with faith, walked away from faith, not sure what they believe. That entire Sunday is going to be a really helpful day for uh, our friends that are maybe just wrestling or not sure where they find themselves on uh, the faith spectrum. But for, for our conversation today, I don't want you to miss... Something really, really important, we've hinted at it over the course of this series, but I want to land on it today. And it's like for any of the work that we've done to actually work, for any of the transformation to actually take place, there has to be a choice that you and I make. And it's all connected, like at the center of following Jesus is a symbol, a symbol you're probably familiar with, but a symbol as, as Westerners that, that we kind of lose the weight of because it's kind of moved into the jewelry scene and it, like an icon that sits on top of a church. And there's a symbol of the cross that is a very clear invitation from Jesus. So, so here's what I want to do. Let me just give you Jesus' words and then we'll dig into it, okay? This is an invitation from Jesus. Luke 9, he said to his followers, if anyone would come after me... Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses loses or or forfeits himself, or other translations would even say his soul? And so in this space, this invitation, I I don't know how it hits you when you think about Jesus and the feel-good, you know kind of, oh man, Jesus can make my life better, but for Jesus, when he gives this invitation to his first century followers, there's a horror associated with this conversation because the cross was, was already a pre-existing form of execution that the Roman government then perfected. It was brutal. It was excruciating. It was, it, it, for you and I, we don't live in a culture of shame and honor like, like, like it would have been for the first century followers, but it was the worst way possible to be executed. It was so shameful even that it was actually illegal for a Roman citizen, no matter what they had done, no matter what their crime was, it was illegal for a Roman citizen to be crucified. And so for you and I, you know, we we have this symbol of the cross that we see often, and when Jesus invites his followers to pick up their cross, there was imagery for them. There there was smells associated with it. There was was a, a deep horror attached to this idea from Jesus to really live is actually an invitation to come and die. And for for many of his followers, in fact, many of his his disciples eventually, this would mean a literal death for them, for their faith. For you and I, it's it's not that today, and we're grateful for it. For some of our brothers and sisters around the world, it's still the case for their faith. It's not just an invitation to self-denial, but it does, for some, mean that. But for you and I, for everyone, for every follower of Jesus, it's an invitation to self-denial. Denial. And here's what that means. If you're wrestling with what it means to follow Jesus, to say yes to Jesus also means to say no to a thousand other desires. That with our yes comes his direction for whatever else might include in our lives. And and so I I heard it said this way by our sending church in Las Vegas, Vance Pittman, he's the pastor there, and he said that the encouragement is to live with your yes on the table. That as Jesus followers, you and I come to him not just as Savior, but as King. And again, I realize you might be wrestling with faith and you're not even sure what you believe about Jesus, but this is a really important part of the invitation, that if we want to experience transformation, we've got to understand that it starts with a choice, that every day we get up and, and we choose self-denial. We talked about it last week, that we, we put down our first-order desires and ask the Holy Spirit to help us step into those second-order desires. So to live with your yes on the table is Jesus whatever. So here's, here's, what, here's what we're talking about. To pick up your cross simply is to say these three things. Jesus, whatever, whenever, wherever. To pick up our cross, to deny ourselves, Paul would say this way, I I choose to die daily. A choice of self-denial. Jesus, whatever you want, whenever you want it, wherever you want it. So this week I was in, or last week I was in Las Vegas um, meeting with some of our missionaries in Mumbai. And uh, we're going to start working with, with them as a church together. And we're really excited for all that God is doing. And it's an amazing, amazing opportunity. And, and guys, I'll be honest, you know, you get to sit in spaces where you hear what God is doing around the world. And it, and it, it gets you excited and fills you up on the inside. And you're like, wow, that's amazing. And it begins to break your heart. And, and, and you start to feel burdens, right? That we're not just called, like, like City Church is not the end game. Like this is the starting line, not the finish line, finish line. That we exist for Boulder, the West, and the world. That we want to make disciples of all nations just simply to obey Jesus. So so we start talking about what's happening in Mumbai, and, and God starts to put a burden. Like, hey, this is where I want City Church to engage. And then in my mind, as I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, and I'm listening to the missionaries talk, I hear this kind of thing in the back of my mind and it's the question again: Is your yes on the table? And it's silently, because I wouldn't ever say this out loud. God, please, do not call me and my family to Mumbai. <laughs> like, like I'm all about moving across the country, leaving all of my family, starting a church in Boulder. That was hard enough. God, please, don't call me to another country. Make me learn another language. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm too southern for that. I can't do it. Uh, they're going to hear my accent. Uh, anyway, so, so my yes, right, is on the table. Um, and I, and I, listen, the goal today is trust. Who is Jesus to you? Do you trust him? Does he really love you? Is what he has for us. When we say yes to Jesus, do we genuinely believe it's best for us, for our family, for our future, for our career, for our emotional and mental health, for our city, for our world? And so I get home, and Danielle says, hey, how was it? And I said, it was good. And I asked her a question. I said, hey, um... This is crazy. I just wanna, just wanna ask, um, if if God called our family to Mumbai, how do you how do you feel about that? And she says, I knew you were gonna ask that. <laughs> she says, sure. What if whatever God wants us to do, we'll do it. And I'm like, whew, I think that means we're off the hook, right? Like as long as we're willing, then He won't call us, right? Uh, so so so. <laughs> That's the key, right? The second you say no, I'm telling you, God's going to make you go. Okay, so so here's the deal, here's the deal, really, though. Um, um, listen, there are no missions. We'll talk about this in the next, we have a new series coming up in the next couple of weeks after Easter. There's no missions. We don't have a missions department. There's a mission that Jesus gave his church. So just take the S off. You're all missionaries where you live, work, and play, and if God wants you here or he wants you in Mumbai, that's where you need to be. The good news is God has not called us to Mumbai, so don't worry, I'm not leaving. This is not my farewell. Message okay, but I want you to understand what it means to live with your yes on the table, and 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 the goal for Danielle and I, for the rest of our lives, is that our yes is on the table. Do you trust Jesus enough to have your yes on the table, whatever Jesus, whenever, wherever? Now, I'm just gonna be honest. Many of many of us are not here, right? Like let's not not pretend. Don't feel like you got to show up at church and put on a, a good face. This is freaking scary, right? It's super intimidating. You're like, oh my goodness, Jesus, where are you gonna? Uh, that's a lot to put my yes on the table. But again, is he, is he good? And can we trust him? So I heard the story this week of the Knights Templar, which were like, like an elite crew of um, soldiers during the Crusades. And, and uh, obviously there's tons of negative stuff in the Crusades. But I heard the story this week of the Knights Templar. They would be fully baptized in a full set of armor they would, and I didn't. I asked the team if I could put the baptistry up here today, like like the big tank of water, so we could like play this out, so you could see it. And they said no. So, uh, so we're gonna have to pretend today. But they would get fully baptized in a full set of armor. But they would have their sword, and they would go under the water and hold the sword up out of the water, as if to say, Jesus, you can have everything, except for that. And many of you know from Christian history, there's some terrible things that happened in the name of Jesus through the crusades and the holy wars, and right, there's a lot of bad things, so, so there's this baptism to say, Jesus, you can have everything, and there was just, honestly, can we just applaud them for their honesty? You can have everything but my sword, because I know that this is not honoring to you, and so they, bat- they baptize themselves holding up their, sto- their sword, and, and so I was thinking about it, like, hey, what if we had honest baptisms next Sunday, right? Like, like what if, like, we just kind of, let's just be honest, and, and, you know, you go into the water, baptism is this incredible picture, it's a decision that we make In obedience to Jesus, after we choose to trust in Him, He says, hey, I want you to be baptized, to identify with me. You go under the water, you come back up. It's a picture of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, but it's also a picture, a public demonstration of self-denial. Jesus has, the old me is dead, Jesus has made me new. But if we were going to have honest baptisms next week, I want you to think about it. What would you hold up out of the water? I mean, if we're just being honest, what is it, what's hard for you? Jesus, you can have most of my life, but this right here is a struggle. I was thinking about it, check it out. Just a couple of things. This is my pretend baptism tank since they wouldn't let me have a real one. So, <laughs> dollar bills, y'all. It's Monopoly money. Don't judge me. I'm too poor to get real money out of the bank. So this is what you get, okay? Pay me more. I'll get real. I'm just kidding. It's a joke, guys. It's a joke. Um, right, we get baptized and say, hey, Jesus, you can have everything, but you know, my spending habits and my pursuits and how I sp- like, you can't have this part. Or, or would it be, you know what, Jesus, you can have everything, but, you know, my time. I mean, I already go to church on Sunday. That's a lot. You know how much it, how hard it is to get kids out of the house on a Sunday morning, Jesus? You want more time? You really want me there at the Easter block party, Jesus? It's a Saturday. And Good Friday, too, the whole weekend, Jesus? And we start looking at our time. You want me to, ugh, I gotta have a neighbor over? You want me to go serve that family? You want to help my, my neighbors move in? You can have everything, Jesus, but my time, you know, I, it's tight. What else would you hold up? Jesus, check it out. Yeah, Yeah. you can have my Barbie dolls, Jesus. This is a joke. Uh, Jesus, you can have everything but my relationships. I trust you in a lot of areas, but you know, I'm not going to let go of my girlfriend. She's looking good. I'm not going to let go of my boyfriend. I'm not going to let, you know, I mean, you know, the relationship thing, Jesus, I'm chasing it hard, and I just don't trust you, so I, I just, you can have everything but that. Or, or, you know what, Jesus, you can have everything but the things that take the edge off. Jesus, this one has my name on it. I can't give it to you. This is Elkins whiskey, guys. Come on. I did not drink this bottle before we got here. I want you to know, okay, it came like this from my house. I didn't drink it in my house either. Okay, um, right? You're like, all right, Jesus, you can have everything, but my favorite beers or my addictions, or you know, I mean, I need to get loose on the weekends and get a little light. <laughs> Life is hard, and, and again, I, I know I don't want you to hear like Jesus is against alcohol or money or relationships or how you use your time. That's not the case at all. The question is, what is it that you and I struggle with, right? Because it might not be any of those things. It might be, Jesus, you can have everything, but my identity and my career and my degree program and me making a name for myself. Jesus, you can have everything but my comfort and my pleasure. Jesus, you can have everything but my sexuality. Jesus, you can have everything but my heart because I'm just not willing to get in community and let someone hurt me again. Jesus, you can have everything but my future. You can have everything but control. What is it for you? If we were to an honest baptisms next weekend, what is it that you just would honestly hold out of the water and say, this is a struggle for me? When Jesus invites us to follow him, We see in Jesus his death, burial, and resurrection. And it's not only for us that Jesus lived a perfect life, died for our sin, rose again. But then it's also an invitation to die to ourselves and to live with Jesus. And so I want you to understand that the cross for Jesus is not a one-time event, but it's an ongoing way of life. I love how Luke says to pick up our cross daily. Dang it. (laughs) You should not monthly (laughs) or like every seven days or something like that. That'd be great. Let me show you how Paul talks about it in Galatians 5, just to kind of help us get our heads around this. He says, but I say, we've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks, walk by the Spirit, that's the command, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Those are those, like, disordered desires inside of us. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, the desires of the Spirit, talking about the Spirit of God, are against the flesh, and these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing what the things that you want to do, first order and second order desires, like we talked about last week, but... Paul says, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. There's not a list of rights and wrongs, rules and regulations you keep but you're made right with God through Jesus, and then you can follow him. He goes on in verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh, they're evident. Sexual immorality and impurity and sensuality and idolatry and sorcery and uh, enmity and strife and jealousy and fits of anger and rivalries and dissensions and divisions and envy and drunkenness and orgies and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I love that Paul in this face is like, he's like not leaving anyone off the hook, right? He like puts orgies next to envy So like, no matter what your thing is, right, he's like, hey, we're all kind of in trouble here, okay? But he goes on. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, as we lean into transformation, is love. These are the people we want to become. Not people that are just doing loving things, but we are the kind of people who are loving. We have joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such things, Paul says, there's no law. You don't have to worry about a list of rights and wrongs and rules and regulations when you press into the life and the Spirit. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, don't miss it. What have they done? They've gone to church every Sunday and tried to be really good people. They give a little bit of money, prayed every now and then when they needed something. What do they do? Those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with Christ the spirit. So for Paul, your body is a focal point in your relationship with God and how you relate to God, right? You're not just like a soul with a body and that's going to go away. You're a whole person, mind, body, spirit, and your body, Paul is saying, is a battleground. Like there are there are desires at battle within you. Again, those first order and second order desires. And so every day there's this war of desire inside of your body and mind. And some of our desires, right, they're beautiful and they're good, aren't they? right? I mean, desire in of itself is not a bad thing, and just like everything we pulled out of this bucket, and maybe many many of the things that you would hold up, it doesn't, they don't have to be a a bad thing in order to be maybe not good for us in a moment. Some of our desires are, are good. Some of our desires are straight up evil, and you see that inside of you, and so one of the key tasks of following Jesus, of apprenticing under Jesus, it's learning to crucify our flesh in order to experience this life to the full that Jesus invites us into. And so it's not just, it's not just sinful things that we have to die to. There are also many desires in our lives that are not necessarily bad, but they might not be Jesus' call on our life. And so God calls us to put down even good things sometimes. And so the question, again, is Is your yes on the table. So this is a devotional that I've been been digging into uh, called Journey to the Cross. So if you're looking, this is like a 40-day Lent devotional. I'm a little behind on the 40 days. It was started 40 days pre-Easter. But, man, if you're looking for something to dig into, I highly recommend you pick this up. It's incredible, incredible content. But speaking of, like, hey, how do we press into self-denial and reflect on Easter? So let me just read you a snippet. It's not on the screen, but I'll read it to you. Paul David Tripp says that we are called to die to that life where we did what we want when we wanted to do it and how we wanted to do it. We are called to die to setting our own rules and living however we please. Through Jesus, we are called to die to our rulership. We're called to let go of our self-appointed sovereignty, living as if we're the only master we need, and we're called to surrender ourselves and all that we have to another master. We are invited and called to die to our desires for our own comfort and pleasure and glory, and then to give ourselves to seek the glory of the king and the success of his kingdom. We are called to die to our own righteousness and then find our hope, our help, and our comfort in the righteousness that is from Jesus given toward our account. This death, he describes, is a process of daily scanning our lives to see where things still live in us that should not be, and then praying for the strength to die once again. Isn't that good? The cross is is a foundational piece of following and apprenticing under Jesus. Jesus says, hey, you want to be a disciple? Non-optional, pick up your cross and follow me. And it's really important that you understand this invitation. So let me show you another, uh, this is Dallas Willard kind of summing that up. He says, self-denial is the overall settled condition of life in the kingdom of God, better described as death to self. In this and this alone lies the key, again, we can try all we want, without this we miss it, lies the key to the soul's restoration. Christian spiritual formation rests on this indispensable foundation of death to self and cannot proceed except insofar as that foundation is being firmly laid and sustained. So let's look at Jesus for just a minute. Luke chapter 9, check this out. As they were going along the road, someone comes up to Jesus and says, "Hey, I'll follow you wherever you go." And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. That's Jesus speak for like, are you sure? And I want you to understand when Jesus invites you, he loves you, he's made a way, you're completely invited, but the invitation is still to count the cost. So someone comes up and says, and some of you, you follow Jesus, you kind of jump both feet in and you're like super excited. Some people are like chomping at the bit to follow Jesus, and that's great. But Jesus just simply says, hey, are you sure? But then others, he, he goes on in, in, in the same scenario. To another, G, uh, Jesus said, follow me. And he said, "Ah, oh, Lord, let me, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Dang, Jesus. Like, this, as I was studying it, is more likely a first century euphemism for the, the hey, Jesus, let me go back, kind of live my life, wait, wait, wait for my father to die so I can get my inheritance, kind of get my life settled and in order, and then I'll follow you. That's probably more likely what, what this what the scenario is, is depicting. So Jesus says, hey, here it is. He goes on, look at this one. Another one said, hey, I'll, I'll follow you, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Like wow, this wow, this is a lot, Jesus. We got some people dragging their feet to Jesus. We got some people a little excited. And I want you to understand for all of the people in these scenarios with Jesus, the problem is not belief. They're not showing up to Jesus like kind of wrestling with who he is and what they believe about him. The problem is not, is he God? Is he worth following? The problem is not belief, but rather an issue of love and consumerism. Everyone in this story is showing up with wanting all the benefits of Jesus without the cost. Welcome to Western Christianity. We want all the benefits of Jesus and no cost. Let me show you another in Luke 14. Now, great crowds accompanied Jesus, and and then Jesus turned to them and said, every time a great crowd showed up, Jesus would say something to scare them all off. It was great. And so he says, if anyone comes to me and doesn't hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross, there it is again, can't come after me, can't be my disciple. Now again, this is hyperbole, right? Like if you don't know think about Jesus, he's not commanding you to hate people. But this is so extreme. He says, I want you to love me so much that it's like you hate everyone else. Like it's such an extreme difference of love for Jesus that it's like. And this is an invitation for you and I to consider what it means. He goes on, check this out. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, I know that's what all of you wanted to do today, right? Right after church, on the docket to build a tower. Yep. Okay. So this is for you. Look at that. Which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost? Hopefully, you've gone to Home Depot, ran the numbers, right? You know what you're doing. Whether he has enough to complete it. Jesus goes on. He says, or 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 what king going out to encounter another king in war? will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Jesus goes on and he says, so therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. This is an invitation from Jesus simply to count the cost. He's like, hey, just think about what it means to follow me. Like, don't, don't jump in, assuming that you know. Give it weight. Think about it. Now, here's what's amazing, is as Jesus invites you to count the cost, this is not an invitation into like joyless, life-sucking living. Jesus knows that what you give will be nothing compared to what you get. He knows once you count the cost, you're going to understand that it's worth it. But Let me show you in Luke 18 another picture here. So a ruler shows up and says, Hey, good teacher, what what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, Well, why why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Jesus is using tongue-in-cheek here because he is God. And he says, you know the commands. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Check, 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 check. He says, I've done all those things since my youth. This guy's great. Way to go, you. Maybe a little prideful, but we'll we'll go on. Verse 22, and Jesus goes on. He says, well, when Jesus heard this, he said, you know what? One thing you still lack. Sell everything you have. Distribute it to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And when this young man heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. You see, for Jesus, he knew the young man's heart that for this man to truly live, there was one obstacle in his heart that needed to die. His money had become a God. And I need you to understand, listen, when a good thing becomes a God thing, that's when it becomes a bad thing. So my question for you is, what's yours? What's your thing between you and Jesus, because I, I, I think this continues to happen, happen in like the Western reality that we live in. There are all these people who believe in Jesus, and you might be one of them, and I think even if you're not, you, we, we get stuck in these headspaces where we believe in Jesus, but then we live in this like low-grade unhappiness, because we just can't seem to get ourselves to the place where we'll take up our cross. And so following Jesus is always more of a burden than anything else, and there's no joy, and there's no transformation, there's no life, and you're like, man, where's the gap? And it's right here in this space. I need you to understand it's always going to be hard to take up your cross. There's nothing fun or feel good about dying to self. And then you got to ask the question, how do we do this? How we talk about self-denial in the middle of an age of self-fulfillment, right? You and I live in this space, a microwave culture, but do what feels good. We talked about freedom last week, doing whatever I want, whenever I want, with whoever I want, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. That's the freedom we're pressing into. You and I live in a culture that has moved from an an authority, kind of external-based culture to an uh, authenticity-based culture. That the new Lord, the new uh, authority in our lives is now me, and it's you, and it's what you feel and think, and you're the judge in your own heart. Be true to yourself, and so you're your own Lord, and you're your own king in the West. And so then when Jesus shows up, and Jesus is the king, there is conflict in our hearts. And we've gotta make a decision. Are we gonna trust in Jesus and surrender our own free will and our volition to him? Are you willing to put your yes on the table? I need you, you know this, the tension's not out there, it's in in here. And so if you're like me, you you want Jesus without the cross. You want kindness to be produced in your life without annoying people around you that test your kindness. You want patience without anything that inconveniences you. (laughs) You want joy and peace without anything compromising your comfort. You want self-control without denying yourself any pleasure. And here's the deal. Listen, I don't know where your hearts and minds are today, but if you're feeling guilt and shame around any of this, I need you to know that voice is not from God. That's not the invitation here. You're going to see it as we land the plane. The invitation is from a, a God who loves you a dad who has your best interests at heart. So this is not a life-sucking invitation to no fun and lots of rules. This is an incredible relationship that changes everything. But what you might be experiencing is this thing that the scriptures refer to as conviction from the Holy Spirit. And that is a good thing. And I would encourage you to listen to that voice. Because what conviction does is it identifies those things that might be in the way like the rich young ruler. That thing in our heart that needs to move, that thing that needs to die but it moves us toward life. So maybe, maybe you have one thing today. Or, or maybe it's not one big thing that needs to die in you, but maybe every week there's a thousand little things, a thousand little moments of self-denial to where you can die to yourself. And again, we're asking the question, and I just invite you right now maybe to pray this silently in your own heart and mind. Jesus, is there anything standing between me and you right now? Is there anything that needs to die in my heart and mind? So I'll give you an example, kind of as we wrap it up, just so you don't feel alone in this. Um, so I've got one big thing and a thousand little things. So sit tight, because it'll take me a minute to get through the thousand, but it's a joke, it's a joke. So um, every now and then, my, my heart moves into this place where I'll take a good thing and make it a God thing, and it becomes a bad thing. And so specifically around like money, and consumerism and stuff I have like my hobbies and my habits and I, I kind of every now and then my heart will shift into this place of like more is better and more is better and I need more and more equals comfort and more equals joy and, and it's just kind of this pursuit of more the, the American dream right and I'll get in these weird spaces and all of all sudden it kind of becomes obsessive in my heart and mind and so it happened not too long ago I looked up I was in a really content place not wanting anything and all of a sudden I'm wanting everything <laughs> And I want it all right now. And so I go to Seth, one of our staff members, and I say, hey man, um, this is happening in my heart. It kind of surprised me, kind of came out of nowhere. I'm like like obsessing, I'm I'm, I'm like constantly thinking about it. It's causing me a little bit of anxiety, like all these things that I think I need and I want. And so we sit down and I just say, hey, this thing is becoming an idol in my heart. and And I need to repent of it and I need you to help me and hold me accountable. And so for me, the thing that needed to die, Jesus made it very clear. is is I need to be content and I need to quit pursuing more. So for the month of April, me and Seth set it up, man, I'm not doing any personal purchases to press into contentment, to force my hand of self-denial. That's my big thing right now. But there's a thousand little things. Every day, a moment to die to myself and serve my kids. Every day, a moment to, to die to myself and not interrupt my wife and actually listen to what she has to say. Every day, a moment to serve a team member with words of encouragement and not make it about me. Every day, an opportunity and a moment to invite my neighbors or my friends to Easter or the block party, kind of go out of my way to love and engage and serve those around me. I have a thousand opportunities every day to die to myself. And listen, if you're breathing in the room, you have those same opportunities, don't you? At work and in your relationships and with your extended family. If you have roommates, right? And, and so the question is, Jesus, is there an obstacle between me and you? Is there something that needs to die? Now, don't miss it because this is we need to land on a good note, Matthew 13. It's all good, but you've got to have the right perspective, okay? Motive is everything here. Jesus gave this parable. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a, ma- a man found and he covered it up They didn't have banks back then, so he buries it again so no one can find it. Then, in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has to buy that field. Don't miss this. Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven as something worth losing everything for. Have you found that? Have you come to the place in your heart and mind where you trust Jesus enough where you found something worth losing everything for? To everyone else, they're looking at this guy, he sells everything he has. You're crazy. They don't know what he found. There's treasure hidden in the field that he knows about. And that's what it's like when you run into Jesus. You find something worth losing everything for. Don't miss it. It's a sacrifice to buy the field, right? There's a lot of letting go to buy the field, but not really. Because in his joy, he does it knowing he's getting far more in return. So no matter what we have to die to, friends, don't miss it. No matter what Jesus has put his hand on this morning, It's always worth it, every time. Jim Elliott says it this way, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jesus wrote a check with his life, life to the full, and we cash it by dying to self. This is not an invitation into a joyless, rule-filled life, but listen to how David Brenner explains it. He says, St. Ignatius of Loyola notes this way, sin is our unwillingness to trust that what God wants is our deepest happiness. And so until I am absolutely convinced of this, I will do everything I can to keep my hands on the controls of my life because I think I know better than God what I need for my own fulfillment. The issue is trust. Is he good? So, as you and I press in this this morning, the band's gonna come up in just a second and I just wanna kind of go back to the motive. That when we really recognize God's love for us and what Jesus has done to make a way, it's easy to swap the field out. So, here's some action and reflection for you and I. Number one, If we were just going to do an honest baptism, really, what's your thing? I got a bunch. I got a lot of things. Comfort, pleasure, significance, status, how people think about me. I hold up a bunch of stuff. Might as well not even get in the tank. (laughs) What is it for you? And we're going to have some honest baptisms. And the second question is this. Just ask right now. Jesus, is there an obstacle between you and I? Is there something that needs to die today? Is it one big thing? Or is it a thousand little opportunities throughout the week? And don't forget, guys, you and I can't give what we don't have. We don't do this outside of relationship daily and intimately with Jesus in the scriptures, in prayer, journaling, in community. All those things are helping us die to self daily. So I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey, but I know you have a next step. So I just encourage you to listen to what God might be doing in your own heart. Put your yes on the table and take that step today. Let me pray for you. Will you bow your heads with me? As you bow your heads, close your eyes, kind of just reflect in this moment. Looking at your own heart. Maybe today, there's never been a moment when you've crossed the initial line of faith. Faith or trusting in Jesus simply means that we believe that he is who he said he is, that he can do in our lives what he said he would do. That he lived a perfect life without sin like you and I can't. He died the death that we deserve on the cross. He was buried and he rose from the grave proving that he was God, punctuating this moment for you and I to trust in him. That in dying to self, we can truly live. And for some of you today, you've never crossed the line. you never said, Jesus, I need that. Today, I'm, I'm saying no to me and yes to you. Jesus, would you make me new? Would you forgive me of sin? I want to follow you today. I need you to know that salvation happens in a moment and transformation happens over a lifetime. And so if in your heart and mind today, you are praying and asking Jesus to save you and give you a new life, He'll meet you right in this space right now as you pray. Heaven roars with applaud as another comes into the family of God. There's nothing you do to earn it. There's nothing you do to to deserve it. You simply receive the gift that Jesus purchased with his life. And then you begin to follow. So if you're making that decision today, I would just encourage you don't keep it to yourself. It's the biggest and best decision you'll ever make in your entire life, and we would love to celebrate with you, help you take next steps. For others of you, you're followers of Jesus, and you're like me, and you love Jesus, and you don't like the cross, but the reality is we're robbing ourselves of true life. So maybe there's something you need to put on the table today. Maybe it's not even a bad thing, it's just not a good thing for you. Maybe there's some things that need to die, some big things that are just very clear, or maybe for you it's just... Taking every moment throughout your week and choosing to die to yourself and consider others more important than yourself. Maybe the first step in dying to yourself this week is giving Jesus the morning part of your, uh, the, the part of your morning to just sit in scripture and in prayer and let Him fill you. Maybe that's the first space of Jesus, I just need you daily. Maybe it's choosing community and pressing into city group and being authentic in those spaces and letting people know what's going on in your heart. Maybe today during the service you need to find someone to pray with. Maybe there's sin to confess, but I need to tell you this. Whatever it is, whatever the sacrifice, it is always worth it. Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for proving that love. Because this cross screams an incredible love for you and I. Jesus, I pray that we wouldn't keep that to ourselves. This is such good news. It's such an amazing treasure we have found in this field that it's not just for us, but the kingdom is for everyone. So I pray that you fill our hearts and minds with desire and purpose and prayer, that we'd be looking at our coworkers and our neighbors and our friends and our family and just looking for and praying for opportunities to invite them to City Church, to share a meal, to invest in their lives. However you would use us, Jesus, we wanna be used by you to share this goodness with the world. So, Jesus, we put our yes on the table today. Whatever, whenever, wherever. And Holy Spirit, give us the desire and ability to follow through. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.